Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be together again, finally. When we have weeks like that, it just feels like it's been a long time since we've been together. So it's good to be here worshiping the Lord. We are starting this week. Pastor Bob kind of did an intro for us, and I left something in the front row I'm going to go get. He did an intro for us last week in our I Am series as we focused on spending a year kind of putting aside some of our felt needs and saying, okay, God, we want to know more about who you are. So what can, we, what can we learn about you? Our first series in this year of God is the I Am series. And we're going to be looking at different attributes of God. Things that make God God and us not God, right? Now, there's, there's a point of differentiation I want to make as we start this series. We are called, as God's people, to be like Christ. Are we not? Scripture tells us, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, right? Christ calls us to love one another as he has loved us. So by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside each one of us, brothers and sisters, we are being shaped every day more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us we are image bearers. And that is who we are, and that is how we live, and what we strive to honor God as we're being sanctified. But there's a difference between being made in the image of God and being Christ-like, and what we're going to call this morning, and maybe throughout the series, of being like God. Because there are certain attributes and characteristics of God that we will never possess. And hallelujah, brothers and sisters, because we don't need to. And those are the attributes we're focusing on during this series. So, those are things like what we're going to talk about today. God is infinite. If you didn't know, you're not. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, can exist outside of time and space. You can't, as much as we try to, right? We cannot. These are the things we are talking about during this series. The attributes that belong to no one and nothing but God alone. The ways that God is not like us. And what I pray that we find during this series is two things. One, the ability to go hallelujah and enjoy the joy and freedom that come with not having to be God. As silly as that sounds, in our heads we know we can't be like God, but we try, don't we? Right? And the second thing I pray that we find is that our little boxes we have tried to contain are uncontainable, transcendent, perfect God in, will just absolutely explode, and we won't need them anymore. Because our God, the great I Am, cannot fit inside that box. That he will blow our minds and expand our hearts and our understanding to just be in awe of who he is. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this morning we kick off our new series with the fact that God is infinite. God is infinite. What does that mean? It was about this time in prepping for the sermon that I wanted to sit down and go, I have no idea. I don't know what the word infinite means. Do you? Like, like I, I, I can kind of grasp the notion of infinite, but my tiny, puny by comparison to God small, finite human mind has a hard time just grasping what the word infinite really means. Do you find yourself in that boat? 
as, as finite, very limited creatures, this is a very hard thing for us to understand. The idea of infinite, because we are not. So I turned to Webster's, uh, because I'm kind of nerdy like that. And this is the definition that we get in Webster's Dictionary for the word infinite. Limitless or endless in space, extent, or size. Impossible to measure or calculate. Limitless or endless in space, extent, or size. Impossible to measure or calculate. Now let's stop and ask ourselves. What have we seen or experienced in this life that truly fits that definition? What have you seen that takes up an endless, infinite amount of space? What have you held or, or scientists have looked at in the world and says it's impossible to measure or calculate this? If we had enough time, we'll add that on there. And my answer in life is nothing. And I'm guessing yours would be the same. I'd be willing to bet on it. I've never seen anything or anyone that has unlimited power, unlimited energy, unlimited resources that takes up unlimited space. There are days, especially when pregnant, that I feel like I take up unlimited space. But, you know, more realistically, no grains of sand that can't painstakingly be counted. No drops of water that couldn't eventually be measured. There is nothing in this world, no feeling, no breath, no human being that is infinite apart from God himself. This means that we have never actually used the word infinite correctly on anything outside of God. If we say, oh, that person is just infinitely patient, <laughs> it's hyperbole, right? We're being dramatic. You've never met someone that's infinitely patient. I'm a living example of that. As my toddler ripped off his bib for the 7,000th time during his lunch the other day, I almost lost my mind. God alone is infinitely patient, infinitely powerful, infinitely present, right? He alone is limitless, endless in space, extent, or size, or capability. In fact, even the secular world, it's so funny, in Webster's Dictionary, this is the example for the word infinite. The infinite mercy of God. Even the secular world uses God as the example of infinite. So the only time infinite has ever actually been used correctly is in reference to our God. Isn't that wild? Our God is good. He alone is God, and he alone has these attributes, like infinite. So how is God infinite, as we continue to try to wrap our small human minds around this? Well, he's not bound by space, extent, or size, as our, as our definition tells us. And physically, of, of course, we know that's true. God is not limited in size. Isaiah is a great example of this. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet tells us that he has this vision of God, and just the very train of the robe of God fills the entire temple of God, right? Our God is not bound by physical space or size. But this descriptor is more than physical. It's metaphysical, too. Um, different attributes of our God are infinite. For example, God's understanding. 
Psalm 147 tells us this. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. There's nothing that God doesn't know. It's infinite, right? There's, there's no bound to it. There's nothing you can, okay, God knows this much. He got this on the ACT and the SAT. So he is this intelligent. Here, here are his points, right? It's infinite. It's limitless. Lamentations 3 verse 23 tells us the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's love, God's mercies, they are infinite and never-ending. And what do we know about God's power? He has no weary moments. He has no weaknesses. He never just runs out of steam and goes, I need a break, right? As a mom, sometimes we go, I need a break. I'm going to go hide for five minutes. God never does that. Isaiah 40 says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Our God, in his nature, is infinite. He cannot be bound physically. He cannot be, none of his other attributes that we'll be talking about can be bound, right? They are infinite. He is infinitely omniscient, infinitely sovereign. There will never be a time, there has never been a time where God has not been in control, reigning, and in power, right? So in his nature, who he is, God is infinite, but his other attributes that we will be looking at as well, those are infinite too. Infinite can only, is, a, is an attribute of God, but it's also an adjective of his other attributes. So it's a good thing we're starting with this one, isn't it? This is who our God is. Unmeasurable, uncontainable, infinite, in every way. And this is a good thing. Is it a good thing? Yeah. Amen, yes, Amy. But the truth is, as human beings, even though we know it's a good thing, we're not always comfortable with the idea of an infinite God, or as our definition said, a God who cannot be measured. Because we love to measure, don't we? We love to measure. I learned going on the adult mission trip that you measure twice and cut once is what the saying is. For me, it's usually measure three times, cut about 10 to 15 times, but that's okay. Who's counting? We love to measure. We love to measure because measuring gives us the idea that we understand something, doesn't it? Okay got this. And if we feel like we understand something, we can control and manipulate that thing, can't we? We measure the square footage of our homes. We measure our IQs. We measure our bank accounts. We measure the value of different stocks on the market, our temperature. We measure our weight more and more and more. And we feel like, okay, if I can get a handle on this, if I can measure it, if I can, I can start to understand it, and then I can control it, right? Or at least feel like we've got a sense of control. But the reality is, if our God, as scripture tells us, cannot be measured and contained, that means we can't control him. Mm. Yeah, how many of us said amen, and how many of us just squirmed a little bit in our seats because we don't like that? 
I know some of you. I know a lot of you. And the truth is, whether we, myself included, like to admit it or not, we're a little bit of control freaks, aren't we? Yeah. It doesn't always make us feel great that we can't be in control. So the idea of a God that we can't control, how do we feel about that? Probably some mixed emotions there, right? Who likes to be out of control? My husband does not like when I drive. Granted, <laughs> some of you have been behind the wheel with me, but <laughs> he likes to be in control when he's driving. How many of you have ever had, you don't have to raise your hands, parents, let's not, it'd be awkward. How many of you have ever had an unruly or disobedient child who was out of control? Yeah. <laughs> Becca, I see Bob's hand raised. <laughs> was that a fun experience? No, it was not. I can testify now to that. How many of us have ever been behind the wheel of an out-of-control vehicle? Maybe in the last couple weeks with all the snow, right? Yeah, Karen, is that a fun experience? No. How about our bodies? I know so many of us in this room, so many of our church family have gone through MS, Parkinson's, cancer, dementia, or watched someone that you love go through some kind of health crisis, powerless, out of control, to be able to tell your body, to control it, to manipulate what it can do, right? We don't like to be out of control. Things that are out of our control scare us because we can't predict them, because we can't point them in the direction that we think that they should go. We can't plan for it. How many of us are planners? Not only control freaks, but planners. I've been on vacation with you, Corey. I know you're a planner. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. But God doesn't fit nicely in our box because he can't be controlled. So, so often, that tends to scare us, doesn't it? brothers and sisters, to some degree, that's okay. It's okay when we look at God. We see how uncontainable, how vast, how transcendent, and how big he is. We realize we're not in control, and that scares us a little bit. It's okay when that's a holy fear. And I think that's what we're going to find throughout this series, that as we learn more about who our God is, <laughs> We just stand in holy awe, in a reverence, in fear, and go, you are God, and I am not. And it causes us to fall back in worship, doesn't it? When we realize the awe and magnitude of who our God is. That uh, Proverbs 9 tells us this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's okay to have a holy fear of God. That's what knowing him more should bring us to do. That's wisdom right there. But too often, learning about God and how he's not controllable doesn't lead to holy fear. It leads to us control freaks and planners and schemers and preppers being a little anxious and a little nervously fearful, doesn't it? Anybody ever been there? I have. I've seen a situation that I realized was out of my control and gone, no, no, God, this is how it should go. I see where you're taking this and I don't like it. Right? Have you been there? Sometimes it makes us anxious and fearful. But why? 
why should our response to the fact that God's in control and we are not, why should that not lead us to peace and to joy instead of fear? Because I don't know about you, I don't think I'm ready to be in control of all things. I know I'm not ready to be in control. Some of you are looking at we're not sure you're ready to do what you do already, Pastor Laura. <laughs> Why would we want to do that? Are we ready for that? And which of us wants to follow a God that we can measure and control anyway? Let's think about that for a real moment. What God can you perfectly measure, perfectly understand, perfectly predict, and perfectly control. That's no God. That's called an idol. That's what that is. We can't even do that to ourselves. Is God a dog that we can crate him? That we can train him and control him and say, okay, God, you stay in your little box. This is where I like you. I can predict you. This is my dog, Newt. I can't do that for Newt. He's smarter than me. It's true. Yeah, he's cute then. He was a puppy. He's not that cute anymore. I can't even do that with my dog. What kind of God would the great I am be if we could contain, measure, predict, and control him? Is that the kind of God you want to follow? Is that the kind of God that goes to a cross to save you? That has the power to bring his own life back up? and to raise from the dead and offer you resurrection power by faith? No, brothers and sisters. That is not the kind of God that we want to follow. And it's not the kind of God that we hear about in the descriptor of who our God is in Scripture. The God who spread out the vast tent of the heavens, the stars and all of creation and all of its splendor and all its array, that's not a God that we can contain. The God who is transcendent, higher than the heights of the heavens, and yet deigns to dwell in the spirit of his human beings. The God who parted the Red Sea for his people and used that very same sea to crush the chariots of the Egyptian enemy. The God who was before all things, who is present now with us, and who will be past the very end of the age. The God who created humanity and yet took on the very flesh he created, gave up his life in a sinner's death, and raised it back up again three days later. And the very God who will come again in triumph to see that final victory to fruition and will reign forever. That is the God that scripture describes for us. That is the God of infinite power, infinite mercy, infinite love, infinite grace. That is the God who cannot be contained or controlled or manipulated or predicted by human minds. That is the God of infinitude. That is who we follow. Listen to what scripture says about him. Job 11, oh, one of my favorite descriptions about the uncontainable nature of God. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? 
Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Everything about God is infinite and uncontrollable. Ephesians 3 tells us this about God. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. After Solomon builds the temple, he says this, Will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Our God is unmeasurable, uncontainable, limitless, and boundless. In other words, our God is infinite. That is the great I am. That is a real God, the only God, to be followed, to be worshipped, and to be feared, brothers and sisters. Anything less is not a God. Anything less that we put in that box, that we try to understand, fully, control, contain, that's just an idol. And that idol is not going to do a darn thing for us. And like we said before, though we fear being out of control, we're not ready to be in control of it all. Because the truth is, this uncontrollable God, this unmeasurable God, he's measured us. He's measured the world, and he controls it all. Once again, listen to the testimony of Scripture. He may be uncontainable, but the world, us, we are bound and we are known by him. Isaiah 40 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the whole heavens? Marked off the heavens. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? God is bigger than it all. He is vaster than it all. They are like a drop in the bucket compared to him. Luke 12 tells us, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. We can't measure God, but he knows how many hairs we have. Even those of us that wish we had more hairs than we do, he knows. Psalm 139, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has measured us from the hairs of our head to the days of our lives. He alone can control it. He alone can measure it. And brothers and sisters, he did it that way on purpose. He has measured you. He has made you lovingly, intimately, and intentionally limited. You are limited. How does that sit with us? Because I think a lot of times instead of rejoicing in our limitedness and the unlimited ability of God, we rebel. We push back against it, don't we? We want control. <laughs> we don't want to be limited. We want to shake off those limits. And we want to be like God. Again, we're supposed to reflect the image of God. We're supposed to be Christ-like in so many of our characteristics, but attributes like limits, infinitude, being limitless, that alone belongs to God. We don't like it. How many of you want to be able to control and predict where your life is going? We need to do a reality check for some of us. <laughs> but I think that's important. 
I think it's important to realize that. I think sometimes we deceive ourselves and we say, Pastor Laura, I don't want to be like God. I've seen Bruce Almighty. I knew what it was like when he almost went crazy because he heard all those prayers in his head. And I just, I know I can't handle that. I don't want to do that, right? We go, I know. I've, I've, I've been a Christian for most of my life. I know God is higher than I am. I know that. I'm not trying to be that. And consciously, I think we really believe that. But if we look at our actions, I think our actions speak something different to us. How many of you tried to do way too much this week and did it poorly? Rebecca and I are in a show right now, and we are exhausted. Struggling to do things well, right? You don't think us as humans trying to do all things and do them perfectly is trying to be infinite like God? How about you people pleasers? Oh, I know you're here. <laughs> I'm here too, by the way. <laughs> you want to make everyone happy. You want to bless them. You want to do, you want to keep the status quo, right? But guess what? That's not what we were called to live, and we can't do it. How about you fixers? Where are my fixers in the room? I want to fix, I hear people's problems, and I've got an answer for you. I'm going to fix you and fix you and fix you. Everyone in your life comes to you with their problems, right? Because they know that you love them. These are the Enneagram 2s. You've got the heart to serve them. You want to help them see, see Christ's purpose for their life and find healing, and that's great. But how many of you are trying to do that on your own power? Be all things to all people, right? That's trying to be infinite like God. He is the ultimate fixer. You're not. You're not that good at it. Like God has given you gifts, I want to affirm that, but only he can fix all the people that keep coming to you, right? We say, we don't want to be like God. No, I know I can't do that, but our actions say something else. Even the small things that we do say something else because as humans, it is always tempting to want to be like God. Brothers and sisters, this was the draw of the fall. What did the serpent say to Adam and Eve? Let's look, at, let's look at Genesis 3. When the serpent was tempting them to eat the fruit, he said, You will not certainly die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be what? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Had God given them the wisdom that, they, that Satan was offering them? No. There was a reason God hadn't given them that. Right? Verse 6 goes on to say, When the woman saw the fruit was desirable for gaining wisdom. The kind of wisdom God had not offered them. She ate it. And then she took it and gave it to her husband. This was the draw of the fall. They wanted to be like God in the ways that they were not called to be. Do you know who else wanted to be like God? An angel named Lucifer. He wanted to be like God. We get this beautiful description of him in scripture. But then it says this. Look at the prophet Isaiah's words about this angel Lucifer. You have said in your heart, 
I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Instead of being content to glorify God, to point to the only glorious, infinite, almighty one, Lucifer said, I'm going to be like that. I want that for myself. Adam and Eve said, I want to know that. I want to be like God. I want that for myself. And look what scripture says about Lucifer. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave, along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. Brothers and sisters, who is Lucifer? Satan. Satan did not start off as Satan. Satan started off as the angel Lucifer, who quit being satisfied with God being God and wanted to be like God himself. This is the fate of Lucifer. This is the fate of Adam and Eve, the fate of those of us who intentionally or unintentionally seek to be the things we were never meant to be. It's not a pretty fate, is it? We suffer the, bless the curses of the fall right now. Don't know if you know. We suffer the curses of the fall right now. We were never meant to be like God. And we ought not try. Brothers and sisters, my challenge for you today is to let God be God. Stop trying to be all things to all people. To do all the things perfectly. My challenge to you is to find peace and joy in the fact that we serve a good God we cannot control. That is not limited. And to rest in the fact that you are knowingly and lovingly created limited for the glory of God. And that we find everlasting blessing there. And when we do that, when we lean into the infinitude of our God, and we don't just acknowledge, but we embrace our finitude, our own limitedness, we find all we need in him. We find we can enjoy life. We find that we don't have to do it all, that we don't have to be it all, that the one who, who brought everything into creation, who brought it all into existence from nothing, the one who has all the knowledge and all the power, it's still okay for him to be in control. <laughs> and it's good. And we find freedom in that. I think sometimes as parents, we laugh when our children try to do things that they can't do, don't we? River does stuff all the time that he really wants. He wants to move something huge, and I just laugh. He's trying to move it, right? Have you ever seen your children try something when their little parents was just cute? You're like, you're never going to be able to do that. <laughs> sometimes it's, it's easy to picture God doing that with us, right? Oh, child, stop trying to be in control. And maybe he does do that. Maybe sometimes he just gets a, gets a good laugh out of us. But I think more often than not, the character of our God, instead of laughing at us, trying to be infinite like him, he instead offers us invitations. Invitations to sit back, to love our limits that he has fearfully designed us with to rest in his unlimitedness. Invitations that only come from a loving, 
infinite father and good shepherd. Invitations that sound a lot like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I, the unlimited father, will give you, the limited child, rest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He does what we cannot. Do not be afraid, little flock, Jesus says in Luke 12. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You can't earn it. You can't be perfect. You can't do it all. Only the infinite God can. And yet he's pleased to give it to you anyway. Acts 17 reminds us it's in him alone we live, we move, we have our being, his infinitude, not our finiteness that sustains us. And Isaiah 40 gives this invitation. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord and his infinite power They will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Brothers and sisters, do you hear? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? This is the infinite God we serve. These are the invitations when we go, I'm limited. And that's okay. Because I have an infinite, unlimited God. And he is good. And he is in control. And he gives me everything I need. That's the peace we can find when we know we don't have to be like God because he alone is infinite and in control. So my challenge I want to leave with you today is this. How do we move this from head knowledge to heart knowledge? We've known for a long time we're not in control. We've known for a long time we're limited and God is not, right? But as Christians, sometimes we're guilty of just leaving it right here and walking away, and it doesn't really change our practices. How do we move it from head to heart? James says, James says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So my challenge for you is this. How can you live into your limits this week? How can we live into our finiteness? I don't know if that's the word. Our finitude is actually the word, but that, does, that sounds made up. How can we live into our finitude, and how can we live into the infinitude of God? How can we actually practice that? Well, here's a couple practical things. I, I encourage you to pray and ask God how you can practice that. One, if you are the energizer bunny type, who's like, I can do it all. I can be it all. I got this, God. Find some rest in your life. Start taking Sabbath seriously. Sabbath is an invitation from God to remember, no, you can't. (laughs) Only I can. You need that recharged time with God. If you are the type who says, yep, I believe in God, sure do, but you know what? I'm not going to cash in all my chips right now. I'm doing good. I got this on my own. When something really bad happens, I'll ask God for help, right? Mm -mm. You're too limited for that. Set that side, set that pride aside right? That's where Adam and Eve went. That's where Lucifer went. Set that pride aside and realize you are more severely limited than you know. You need the infinite God to help you even with those small things. So get on your knees this week 
and start asking for all of those things that you need from the Lord. If you are the fixer, if you are perpetually trying to be all things to all people, to fix them, to heal them, to bless them, hold your family together, right? You see all the needs and it's overwhelming you. Maybe the invitation to live into your limits this week is to stop and again, to get on your knees and pray and bring those people before the throne of the God who can do what you cannot. How can you live into your limits this week? Ask God that and put it into practice. As James tells us, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And my second encouragement is to remember. Scripture tells us over and over again to remember. So I want to invite you to do a simple practice that I did this week. Remember where you are limited, where you are finite, and remember where God is not. When I reflected on, I literally asked and I wrote it out. Where did I see my, my limitedness this week? My body was so tired, I tried to push through, I could not, so I had to take a nap when I didn't want to. I am limited in energy, I am finite, and I was snoring before I was asleep. That's not even a joke. I wanted to be in two places at once. We had rehearsal for our show um, uh, for a lot of nights, and, and we had the show this week, and I wanted to be with my family, and I couldn't. So I hardly saw my husband or my son this week, and that was a bummer. I wanted to be in two places at once, but I am limited, and God is not. I lost my patience for like the 1,000th time this week, and I saw the limitedness of my patience in my heart, but God is not. And then I asked, where had I seen God's infinitude? Where had I seen that he was not limited? We had a family we were working with over the last couple weeks that had an impossible situation. Family from our church, and we just prayed. And what seemed impossible, God brought every single piece together in a way that we could not. With his infinite power, his infinite resources, his infinite knowledge, he did what we couldn't. The snow. Only God can have that much snow. I'm not kidding. I saw that from God this week. That was wild. Forgiveness. I experienced God's infinite forgiveness for me losing my patience for the one millionth time this week. Brothers and sisters, as we remember and we reflect, I encourage you this week, do that. Rest in your limitedness and be humbled. When we acknowledge God for God and we rejoice that we are not, we can find freedom. We can find peace. And it will lead us to humbly worship the great I am, the God who is higher than we are. Amen? Amen. God, thank you that you are infinite. We still don't get that. <laughs> and we will spend a lifetime seeing the truth of it and a lifetime in awe of who you are. This week, God, my prayer for us as a church family as that you would help us to lean into our limits and to lean in your unlimitedness. You are infinite in every way, and we are just thankful. Show us what it looks like to live into that, to trust that, to be blessed by that. And show us what it looks like to live as the image bearers that you call us to. We love you, God, and we pray this in the name of your perfect son, Jesus. Will you stand? We're going to end. Um, we're going to change it, sorry, to our team here. Um, but let's just uh, end this morning. Um,
praising our God for who he is. Can we just sing um, that great chorus of the faith, um, How Great Thou Art? And it's so simple. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. If, as we acknowledge his greatness, we see who we really are, right? And when we see who we really are, we see who we are in him as well. So let's worship together with this chorus. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. You are great. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to How great thou art. How great thou art. Amen. Can we praise the Lord together, brothers and sisters, for who he is? <laughs> Friends, as you go from this place this week, we want to remind you of a couple community opportunities. One, group up is happening. So if you are looking for a place to get engaged, to dive deeper in your understanding of God, but also connect to this awesome community, check out the group up table. The men's conference is coming up. Bob, where can they sign up for the men's conference? At the sign-up post. Sign up for the men's conference at the sign-up post. And we have a couple's date night that's coming up, which we are excited about. Um, that is happening a week earlier than we thought, February 16, correct? February 16. So sign up in the lobby for that as well. And if you are out and about and getting some food this week, we would love for you to be able to support the hand-to-hand -hand ministry we are doing. We need some food for Central Elementary. So check out that information too. Brothers and sisters, as you go from this place today, if you need prayer as you go into the week, please, we'd love to pray. We'll be up here with you. But as you go out and live into the infinitude of God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, both now and forever. Amen.